Last week on Let's Talk Supply Chain was our Woman in Supply Chain series, and I got the chance to interview Madison Mobley from Fair Market, and she talked about her journey to success where she worked at Dell, she worked at Procter & Gamble, and now she is taking a gamble in DEI in the procurement space. Her journey is one for the books, and I cannot wait for you to hear more about her journey to success, her advice, and so much more for women in supply chain. If you'd like to go and check it out, go to the podcast page over at letstalksupplychain.com or wherever you subscribe to the podcast. Let's Talk Supply Chain is not your average supply chain podcast. We feature not just the top of the industry, but also diverse voices from within the community, new innovations, and the disruptors making waves in the industry. Don't listen to the same old, same old. Be sparked by new ideas and fresh perspectives only on Let's Talk Supply Chain. E2Open is an end-to-end supply chain software platform helping the largest companies in the world with the most complex supply chains in the world. They are partnering with their customers on collaboration, visibility, network connectivity, and handling disruptions. And they see that the ultimate value lies in people and meeting their needs. That's why they partner with their customers. If you are looking for an end-to-end supply chain solution, check out e2open.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. We are moving and shaking this month. We've got some brand new live streams and a really big announcement coming up very, very soon that I can't wait to tell you all about. And today I'm joined by a company who delivers strategic sourcing software powered by AI. With supplier diversity and sourcing collaboration at their heart, I'm really excited to find out more. So who is it? Well, I'm going to tell you once we talk about our question of the week. So the question of the week, we ask all over, all across our social media platforms, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And we want to know this week, if you could give your younger self one piece of advice, what would it be? So John Buglino says, do a better job with and a lot more networking. Cheryl Barrett says, stand up and be heard. Spent too many years back in my early career standing back and not having the confidence to speak up. And as soon as I found the strength to brush my self-doubts and worries aside, I grew more as a professional and an individual. Cheryl, I am so glad that you shared that. And I'm sure that everybody is benefiting from you standing up and being heard. Sarah Scudder, find the best marketer in the world and get a job working for her or him because bosses matter a lot. That is so, so true. Some of the advice I would give myself is progress, not perfection, as well as you know, spending some time to really figure out what it is that you want to be doing, trying out new things because you don't know what you don't know until you try it. So thank you to everybody who commented on our question of the week. We love hearing from you. And uh, again, we ask that question across all of our social media every single Wednesday morning. So now back to today's podcast and which exciting and cutting edge business is joining me today? Well, it's BidOps. Using intelligent price recommendations and dynamic benchmarks, BidOps 
AI helps procurement teams overcome complexity to secure optimal commercial terms with top suppliers. Combining strategic sourcing and collaboration with supplier management and diversity, and even automated negotiations, the BidOps platform helps you to skip the back and forth and choose the right supplier at the best price quicker and smarter. Today, Edmund, the founder and CEO at BidOps Inc., joins me to chat all about his journey in strategic sourcing, how he came to found BidOps, exactly what the company does to help its customers, and the role of AI in the future of technology. Here's a little bit more about Edmund. Edmund is the founder and CEO of BidOps, the first software company to leverage artificial intelligence to enable supplier negotiations using intelligent first offers. Prior to founding BidOps, Edmund worked as a sourcing advisor specializing in digital process transformation for large health systems, multinationals, and public agencies with a focus on value analysis, procurement e-auctions, and process optimization. So welcome to the show, Edmund. Hey, Sarah. Great to be here. I am so glad that you're here. I mean, you and I met over a year ago, and I finally get to have you on the show and dive deep into what you guys are doing at BitOps, and I love what you're doing. There's a few similarities between what you're doing, what I'm doing, and I think it sounds like we share a lot of business values as well. So this is promising to be a really great discussion today. So let's just get started. You know, I'm really interested in your journey because you you have a degree in philosophy, international affairs, and public policy, which is quite a different landscape from where you are today. So what has that journey looked like, and how and why did you come to found BitOps? Let's, let's talk about that brand journey. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would say, though, that I don't think that the um, where I am today is as far afield from philosophy international affairs and public policies, as you might think. Uh, I definitely consider supply chain and procurement to be a um, quite pragmatic and, and practical um, business function, but it also has, has its philosophical dimensions as well. Hmm. And um, my focus, actually, when I was an undergrad was um, studying how um, social movements use the internet. So that was kind of the area of research that that I focused in. And in philosophy, I actually studied the philosophy of networks. Um, and so one of the things um, that I think kind of sparked an interest um, when I was getting into supply chain and procurement is that um, the way that messages travel on the internet uh, is completely different from the way that ideas move between people offline. Hmm. And that was what I really studied um, and, and focused on in, in my undergraduate studies was this idea of um, the viral spread of information and how the viral spread of information creates um, the potential for entirely new ways of thinking to become prevalent at specific moments in history. So this was right around the time, if you remember the Arab Spring, where a whole bunch of um, regimes in the Middle East all at once um, were kind of called into question, uh, in, in part um, because of some economic issues that were happening at the time, but also because of um, information that was traveling much, much faster than it had ever traveled before on Twitter 
uh, and other social networks and, and kind of how that was being understood. And I think that today with supply chain and procurement, you're seeing information traveling at a speed. Uh, it's almost like, um, you know, it, when unfortunately, when, when something like, um, you know, you're driving on the highway and you see, um, you see a deer that's, that's been hit by, by a car or a truck, um, you know, and you think, oh, that's, uh, that's too bad. You know, the, the, the deer really had no idea when it stepped onto the road that that was even a possibility. And it's because the car or the truck is just traveling at a speed that the deer has no frame of reference for, right. um, has no kind of sense. And it is those order of magnitude leaps in speed that characterizes the movement of information through supply chains and information systems for procurement today. Um, and so I think that's really, once I began to see how procurement was was transforming digitally and, and really the speed of that transformation, um, that was where some of, um, you know, the experience that I had as an undergraduate studying social movements kind of clicked and pattern matched and, and, and gave me um, a lot of excitement. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing how you really bring all of that together, because I was kind of wondering. Um but the way that you framed it and the way that you're thinking about it is definitely refreshing to the industry. And one example that I'll, you know, mention here is the Suez Canal. I mean, when the when everything happened in the Suez Canal, you know, now that we've got all of this technology, some people knew about it before everybody else did because their cargo was being rerouted. And that is how fast information is traveling through supply chains right now. So tell us about BitOps. What is it that you guys do and how do you help your customers? Yeah, great, great question. So, you know, BitOps is a predictive sourcing platform um, and we help procurement teams predict and win sourcing opportunities using a unified approach to demand signals, requisitions, logistics, supplier performance, compliance, diversity, and sustainability. And our approach characterizes the process um, and really enables execution for faster savings for the largest, most complex tenders, whether that's an RFI, RFP, RFQ, auction, negotiation. Um, but it also goes down through kind of tactical buying um, and enables quick quotes, spot buys, um, and fully autonomous negotiations and RFQs um, in some of the most complex supply chains in the world, uh, in automotive, in pharmaceutical, food and beverage, in construction materials, interiors and furnishings, and chemical manufacturing. And the um, primary way that um, our, platform, our platform does this is it actually forecasts the outcome of every sourcing opportunity before it begins, and then uses that forecast to suggest and really preempt every step in the process, both on the buyer side and the supplier side of the table. Um, probably the, the kind of capability we're best known for is this idea of recommended pricing. Hmm. Um, so it is uh, most, most procurement um, professionals are kind of familiar with the, the sourcing process it is today. You get some specifications together, you confirm your requirements, you work with stakeholders, you ask um, the suppliers, are these correct? Does this look right? Any comments or changes that you have, any questions that you have, then you get quotes. 
And then you go into an understanding of how are these quotes different? Let's compare mm -hmm. apples to apples. Yep. And you do a price negotiation. Now, that process um, hasn't changed in a very long time. Um, it's actually uh, millennia old. There's, um, there's actually a clay tablet from Hammurabi's Babylon um, that is the first RFP. It's for 70 bushels of wheat. Wow. Um, and people were submitting quotes on clay tablets way back when. Crazy. Um, and so like that process in a lot of companies in 2021 is exactly the same as it was in Hammurabi's Babylon. Um, and what we've been able to show um, with customers like BASF, Bell Brands, Holman ARI, um, customers like Dover Chemical, Curita Water, um, and so on, is that when you use recommended pricing and you actually give the suppliers a starting point on their quotes, not only do they submit 10 to 15x faster, um, but you actually get not just faster process velocity, but there's more clarity and trust and collaboration in the process. Hmm. And that actually corresponds with cost savings um, hmm. because the supplier is able to have more clarity. They're able to, to commit earlier in the process. And as a result, they're able to radically improve their sales efficiency, which means that they can pass on the savings associated with that clarity to the business. Amazing. Um, amazing. That was That is amazing. And we're going to talk a little bit more about negotiations right now, because I'm sure, and from what I'm seeing that you're telling me is that it kind of eliminates that dance that you have at the beginning of that negotiation and really hones in on where everybody needs to be. And so, you know, like you, I'm really passionate about creating efficiencies in business. I mean, my own tech platform tackles some of these issues in air and ocean that you're addressing with bid ops, such as the back and forth with suppliers, the time and the process that's involved in that. So I know very well that quoting is a huge pain point for businesses across supply chain. But, you know, bid ops, I think, goes one step further, doesn't it? I mean, instead of just speeding up quotes and recommending where you need to be from a pricing perspective, from what I understand, you also automate those negotiations. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? How does it work? What's the benefits? Maybe give me a, a story around that. Absolutely. And I, I want to, I, I love what you just said about um, kind of um, the, the dance. Um, yeah. And, and I, I would offer one qualification there, which is that we don't eliminate the dance, but we make the dance optional. So you right. can do the dance where and when it makes the most sense for you and for your business partners. Um, and, you know, in terms of the, the process of, of automating a negotiation, um, there will always be negotiations for procurement to do. There's a ton of opportunities that every procurement team is facing. It's often way more that, um, you know, the kind of staff is, is capable of, of addressing if we just use their hours in the day, um, especially given that there are often inbound requests and fires to put out and things that come up kind of in the normal course of yeah. doing business. And so the question is really... What are the steps in the process? Which of those steps can we automate using data? And is there a way to preempt some of the steps in the process um, to eliminate some of the back and forth, the lack of clarity, the cat herding, the crossed wires, 
um, that characterizes so much of the way that sourcing through email and spreadsheets works today. Now, the thing that I would say is if you, if you took a survey of, of, of 500 procurement leaders and you asked them, what is the number one thing that procurement needs to do over the next five years? Um, the uh, kind of number one answer, and, and it's phrased in different ways, is to be proactive, to get ahead of the business, to do more with less, and to offer a truly um, uh, delightful service experience to the business partners that has high NPS and is able to convert demand signals into opportunity, into business value in a very streamlined and rapid manner, becoming a true strategic advisor to the C-suite. Um, and that goal uh, has to be digitally enabled in order to be um, cost effective, because if you wanted to achieve that goal today, you'd have to hire a bunch of very good people. You'd have to train them. Um, and they would have to know a lot about the categories that they manage. Right. They would have to have access to a ton of third-party market data that they would be visually um, digesting and using to make decisions. And the cost at most companies for doing that is misaligned with the appetite that most C-suites have for adding headcount in business operations. Um, every uh, C-suite has been told, procurement strategic. Um, you, you should get your procurement team to do all of these things like a, a supplier diversity initiative and a sustainability initiative and right. a cost savings initiative. And oh, by the way, you shouldn't give them any more headcount. Um, <laughs> so tell them to figure it out. And so the only way that that is going to be possible is through digital yeah. solutions. Absolutely. And broadly speaking, you have two choices when you're beginning your digital journey to, to kind of reach these, um, reach these goals. Um, you have uh, these giant suites that have tons of embedded capability for different functions. Mm -hmm. And then you have best of breed. Um, and probably the number one writer on best of breed today is Dr. Eloise Epstein from Kearney, the consulting group. And she's written a ton of excellent white papers, blogs, um, even uh, spec lists, questions to ask your supplier, all of these resources around this idea of a best of breed transformation. And that idea is very simply that you pick the personas, figure out what the jobs to be done are, figure out how they measure success, what their KPIs are, mm -hmm. and you get a solution that is maximally aligned with driving impact on those numbers. Right. And so... People don't, in general, like buying software. They don't like <laughs> buying technology. People want to buy outcomes. And that's really where um, we see kind of the journey for BitOps fitting in with this overall strategic change in what procurement means at most companies, as well as the digital stack that supports that overall transformation. I like that. I mean, when you think about, you know, looking to do a digital transformation, looking at the software solutions that are out there. I mean, it's overwhelming. Um, but the fact that you're sort of changing the mindset around that and focusing on the outcomes that you can provide and what that outcome is that they're looking for and really dive deep into the industry as to what that looks like for them in the next three to five years. I mean, it just sounds like you are, you know, the right partner in a, in a lot of 
a lot of different ways. So one of the other features when I was doing my research for this interview that I'm really excited about is that companies can use the data and analytics within the platform to build their own supplier diversity program track it, report it without, you know, the labor intensive research and management, which is huge because if all of the components that we're talking about today takes time, it takes time, intention, dedication. And so all of that's really great. How does it work? Why is it so important that we pay attention to issues like supplier diversity um, and ensure that we have, you know, systems and strategies in place to make that much easier to manage at a business level? That's a great question. And I think that uh, a lot of procurement leaders are hearing from, um, you know, from their C-suite and, and to be honest, from the corporate board, supplier diversity is a priority. And I think let's dig into uh, why that is for just a sec, because I, I think the why is, is super important. Um, so there have been essentially two waves of interest in supplier diversity uh, one occurred um, in the late 90s and early 2000s, and, and we're actually now living through the, the second wave of interest. Um, the first wave of interest was primarily driven by changes in government, especially city and state government, regulation around construction contracts. And so it had this pretty interesting um, reverberation through the network effects of supply chain where if you know you change your policy, then all of your suppliers have to change their policy, and 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 so on. Um, the interesting uh, thing about that um, change, and part of the reason why it's confusing today about what what supplier diversity is supposed to mean, is that the kind of core notion of supplier diversity in the first wave was this concept called good faith effort, and good faith effort was all about. Um, making opportunities accessible to certified diverse suppliers. These were uh, minority-owned, women-owned, uh, veteran-owned, and disabled-veteran-owned uh, disabled businesses, uh, which were kind of the core categories um, for, for most of the uh, quotas. And, and there were actually quotas on a lot of these construction contracts. And um, then that expands at the federal level to also include things like um, hub zone. Uh, small business, um, and then for some jurisdictions, local, uh, and there, there are other um, qualifications uh, as well, GLBTQ uh, and, and, and so on. Um, the, uh, the kind of interesting thing about what's different today is that the motivation is actually um, primarily economic. Um, so mm. a few years ago, there was a, a, a kind of um, move in the stock market towards socially responsible investing. And so there were all of these mutual funds and ETFs that were created that um, only contain stock from companies that meet certain requirements. Hmm. And as a result, um, there is now an expectation, not just for public companies, but for many private companies as well, that supplier diversity is a core disclosure from an investor prospectus standpoint on a company's 10K. Uh, as a result, the, um, uh, you know, when uh, the board gets together and says, all right, <laughs> our goal is to increase shareholder value. How can we, you know, increase our stock price? Supplier diversity seems like a really obvious way to invest some time. And procurement is the owner of that data and is typically asked to play the role in producing that report. Um, and that report is 
valuable to increase the price of stock, but it's also valuable for the sales team in a lot of companies um, to provide that data as the company is going out to win new business. Mm. Um, and so that's really what's driving the change today. Now, in terms of BitOps automating supplier diversity reporting, um, we, we do that for our customers. It's very easy to do. It's a dynamic dashboard. You can slice and dice by category, project type, certification type. Uh, we use validated third-party data that's updated quite frequently. Um, and so you always have kind of the, uh, the fresh um, real-time report and you can see when the certifications were given and when they expire. Um, and we actually bring together multiple data sources to provide that. Awesome. We don't do the kind of certification ourselves, but we go out and find the data that, that indicates this and we manifest it within the sourcing application. And the reason that this is valuable for sourcing as opposed to traditional um, kind of spend analytics is because you want to be able to report out on pipeline as well as active suppliers. Right. So if you just took your spend file and did a supplier diversity report, um, you would probably wind up with a ton of suppliers who you do maybe uh, marginal business with or they're in your database for some reason. You'd be paying to uh, get a lot of data on these suppliers and visualize it, um, but actually seeing how the opportunities are structured from a supplier diversity inclusion perspective for your upcoming opportunities or for your portfolio as a whole would be super challenging because naturally it would include suppliers that you might not currently be doing business with. Right. Um, so that that's really where we see the, the automation potential there. And again, this is something that is being asked of procurement, but it's not something that most procurement team, like procurement is not known for having extra time on its hands to right. <laughs> or dive into count, like you were the talking about before. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, an extra headcount like you were talking about before. Um, but it's such an important issue. And, you know, it's it's about really being intentional and mindful as to what you're doing in this area. And if you can have tools to be able to help you do that and actually showcase what you're doing in supplier diversity, that makes it so much easier on those procurement teams. Um as well. So paint us a picture. I mean, I don't know about you, but I get asked, asked about integration all the time. So what's the user journey like? How does the platform integrate with existing systems? Because we both know that integration, you know, and end-to-end -end visibility is really key these days. Absolutely. And um, we believe in integration uh, as a core principle of our business. And we're super transparent about our approach. Uh, we use a platform called Workato, which is known as an iPaaS platform. It has a thousand pre-built integrations, including with SAP, Oracle, Microsoft Dynamics, every business intelligence suite you can think of, every CRM you can think of. And it also synchronizes with uh, authentication, single sign-on, SAML 2.0. And so it makes the IT team super happy. These integrations take days um, and... Um, you can integrate uh, many different systems simultaneously. Once those integrations are done, if you have another system that also needs to integrate with all of them, you have essentially the, the knots are tied and okay. it's very easy to transfer that over. Awesome. Um, so wherever your company is on its integration journey, um, that's the future. Uh, the past was this um, uh, 
concept called electronic data interchange or yep. EDI. EDI. Um, yeah, EDI uh, is what characterized the technology of previous integrations, primarily because it was always one-to-one connectors. Um, and so you had to build new one-to-one connections for every new system. That's why integrations cost millions of dollars and took months and were extremely painful. Um, new API integrations um, are essentially just a string of characters um, that actually tell one system how to talk to another. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it really can be set up um, in a matter of minutes. And then what the rest of the time is spent doing is testing the integration and actually running API calls to make sure that it's producing um, the desired result on both sides. Right. And the other thing um, that I think is important to know, and if you are doing an integration, definitely ask your vendor this question, um, is this a bi-directional data sync and what is the latency of the integration? In other words, how frequently does it update? Okay. Um, because many integrations um, only go one way, so they only move data in, in, in one direction especially if they're old school, um, and they don't update very frequently. And if you have an integration that updates, let's say, every 30 days, um, you want to make sure that that is aligned with your desire for seeing the data you need to make the decisions that that data is supposed to inform. Because if the cycle around your uh, integration latency is misaligned with your own reporting practices, then the integration isn't just going to be... kind of ineffective, it might actually be actively harmful if you're looking at data that's old or inaccurate. Interesting. What was, can you spell that integration you were talking about, the integration company? Yeah, they're called Workado. Um, they're great. Uh, we, we really enjoy working with them. And we actually, um, they're, they're an embedded platform. So it's uh, something that's embedded within, within our capability. Awesome. No, thank you for that. Cause I, I'm sure other people want to want to, and people in the audience are, are going to want to uh, look into that. So who is your ideal client? Tell me, I mean, is it industry? Is it fortune 100, 500? What, who, who is your ideal client? If I'm in the audience, our ideal client is a procurement team that has more work than it has people to do it. Yeah, very, very simply. Awesome. Um, we have um, customers like Blue Cross Blue Shield and Indirect Services um, that use BitOps for uh, services ranging from IT consulting, um, a variety of different types of projects. Um, in Direct uh, is where we have a ton of capabilities, including line item optimization. In other words, being able to award different line items to different suppliers. Our platform can support. 30,000 unique line items for every individual project. And there is no cap on the amount of data that you can associate in terms of the number of documents. It's actually even gotten to the point where we have some users that will make videos um, Mm -hmm. that explain their RFP to their suppliers um, so that they can actually have the asynchronous experience of having their supplier listen to a little description as they walk through the different steps in the process Mm -hmm. visually through a PowerPoint deck or just being introduced to their company if they might be unfamiliar with how um, how much money the company spends or how many future opportunities there might be. You can embed a video um, with every bid um, in, in, in BidOps if you want Amazing. to, or just a general introduction video. I love um, that. And you're, you're taking the innovation to, to the next level. So I want to get to one of my favorite parts of 
these conversations. And that's around real life stories. So paint us a picture, right? So I'm sitting in the audience. I'm listening to everything that you're saying. I think that you're amazing. And I think that bid ops can definitely help me, but still not entirely sure. So paint us a picture. Give us an example of how you've helped a customer. What was their challenge that they came to you with? What was the solution? And what was the impact or the benefit of that? Absolutely. So just uh, kind of a, a quick example, uh, BASF, um, you know, was doing a sourcing project for screws and fasteners. Their previous process involved sending a big spreadsheet to a group of suppliers with a list of specifications, answering questions over email, and then gathering up all of the different quotes, um, comparing them over a you know multi-week period, um, figuring out which line item went to which supplier, and um, then communicating that uh, to the stakeholders, asking for their approval and sign-off, and then um, communing, uh, communicating that back to the supplier, doing one final round of negotiation, and then bringing it home to the contract. Um, what BitOps is able to do is we simulated the entire process start to finish. We mm -hmm. generated a set of recommended pricing for every line item for every supplier. And then we actually um, ran a uh, event that was fully automated where the supplier um, received this recommendation, modified it and resubmitted, got um, some indication in real time from our AI system for um, how they could improve specifically and uh, was then able to make those modifications and resubmit. That entire process took under 60 minutes and the award was finalized in under two weeks. Wow. Um, the result was over 590,000 euros savings on a 3.6 million euro contract. And this was recognized um, as an example of excellence by the CFO, Tobias Strat, um, who actually recognized the procurement team the impact they were making on the business. And this case study was uh, featured actually at a board meeting. Amazing. Um, yeah. That, you know, that is an amazing story. And it's, you know, one of the reasons why I like this part of the conversation so much is because we can, you can really showcase the impact that you're making on the industry and on businesses in general. And it's just amazing, you know, what companies like BitOps are doing for procurement teams and supply chain teams um, all across the globe. Um, and so I want to talk a little bit about entrepreneurship and startups because recently BitOps was the winner of the startup competition at Digital Procurement World. And you were also named best startup by the Shared Services and Outsourcing Network. Amazing achievements. I just wanna say congratulations because I know as well as you do, you know, establishing a new business is incredibly tough and it's competitive, right? But startups is also where so much of the industry's innovation is coming from. So do you have any advice to other startups or entrepreneurs who are maybe considering bringing their business idea to life or maybe thinking about, you know, creating a technology and supply chain? Yeah, I, um, anyone out there who's thinking about doing this, I'd say go for it. Uh, there's a great, um, great amount of opportunity in supply chain and procurement. There, um, the community uh, with, within this practice, a lot of people from with engineering backgrounds, project management backgrounds, um, finance backgrounds, operations backgrounds, 
Um, so there's there's a um, I'd say there's a high um, uh, high level of mature interest in the capabilities. Um, and if you have a product that solves a real problem and makes someone's life materially better, um, now's the time. Like there, there has never been a better time to, um, to innovate in supply chain and procurement than, than right now. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's never been a better time to be, I think in supply chain in general. I mean, just the amount of, recognition that we've been getting lately um, is incredible because usually, you know, you don't hear from us unless something goes wrong. <laughs> so finally, you know, I want to I want to hear what does the future hold for BitOps? What are you guys working on? What can we get excited about? Yeah, so I think the future, the future of BitOps is all about taking the vision of predictive sourcing, this this concept of um, really anticipating business needs and, and anticipating sourcing opportunities uh, to, to the next level. Um, moving from that reactive hair on fire feeling to that proactive, cool, confident, making decisions with data, always staying ahead of the business process, getting involved super early um, to have visibility and knowledge of um, you know, what, uh, what needs to be done, the best person to do it. And so today, BitOps is really known, as, as I mentioned earlier, for our suggested pricing um, and our recommendations are around um, sourcing. Um, we're actually, uh, and, and we'll be uh, announcing this um, in, uh, in uh, just, just a few months. There are some people that are using it today, but uh, in, in a somewhat of a beta phase, um, preemptive requisitions. So this concept is mind-blowing if, if you're a procurement nerd. Um, we, we're used to getting requisitions from people in the business about things that they need, and then we process those. What we've shown actually is that if you use machine learning to analyze company spend, if you see that you know uh, Dave in operations is ordering a stapler every month, then it's actually possible for Dave to receive an email before he even places that next month's order for the stapler. And it says, hey, here's your requisition. It's all filled out. It's, we think this looks right. Can you tweak it? Can you modify it? Can you confirm it? And then to actually have that sync through a process where it's delivering the outcome in a very rapid amount of time because all of the steps are known and mapped. Now, a lot of requisitions will not fall into that category. There's a lot of one-offs. There's a lot of non-repetitive purchasing in the long tail. Um, but we think that the opportunity for um, deploying preemptive requisitions is another kind of game changer for procurement because it's an opportunity to, to get involved earlier, to stay ahead of business needs, um, and then to be able to do that um, at more tactical or higher level, kind of middle level spend. Um, we think that that opportunity creates, the, creates a dialogue, it captures demand signals earlier, and it really just aligns with our goal overall of unifying data and our mission as a company, which is to enable strategic sourcing teams to create value from abundant possibilities, have that abundance mentality for the business, always be able to bring in another option, give leadership um, real control and leverage over their spend and their supply chain. 
Well, and it brings it internally. I mean, we talk all the time about predictive analytics and everything externally in our supply chain, but now you're really bringing it internally. And that is so exciting. I mean, Edmund, I am so glad you came on the show. That was such an insightful and interesting discussion. And I'm really excited you know, about the next steps in the future for BitOps. Um, I've seen, as well as you have, that new technology, AI, and machine learning are really a huge part of our industry, and we're really only just getting started, right? I mean, so it's great to have these opportunities to bring awareness, ask questions, and bolster that collaborative spirit, because these innovations really are helping to facilitate much more effective supply chains in the long term, which is what everybody wants. So a huge thank you, Edmund, for coming on the show today, sharing with us your incredible insights and knowledge, your philosophical take on supply chain and procurement and uh, just overall being here. Thanks so much, Edmund. Sarah, thanks so much for having me on. I'm a fan of the show. Love what you do. And um, thanks for elevating the role of supply chain in, um, in, in the work that we do. Thank you. This episode was produced in collaboration with Border Buddy, the most innovative online customs platform out there. And here is what Graham, the founder of Border Buddy, has to say. More and more companies are looking to expand their reach into global markets, but most don't know where to start or don't have the time to figure it out. Border Buddy sees the struggle and has found a way for you to integrate customs into your e-commerce site, allowing you peace of mind when selling to customers in other countries. Your customers will know exactly how much the costs are to import their order from you to their door in real time. And just imagine what that will do for your business and your sales. Visit us and sign up for 10% off your first clearance at borderbuddy.com slash let's talk supply chain. If you'd like to hear more, we have plenty more podcasts for you featuring the best and brightest in the industry. Head over to letstalksupplychain.com forward slash podcast to check out the latest and also to use our category filter so that you can find any solution on the market to your current supply chain challenges. And remember to come back next week. Next week, we have episode eight of Blended, which is coming out and we are talking all about bullying. We also have an episode with ProGlove and you're not going to want to miss either of those. So make sure to check back with us next week. If you enjoy our podcast, there's a few ways to support the show. You can follow us. Follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We're also on Clubhouse and on TikTok. You can also subscribe to our newsletter over at letstalksupplychain.com. And you can subscribe to our YouTube channel, Let's Talk Supply Chain. Next, visit ships.com and sign up. We are in full beta. And if you are a forwarder or shipper that wants to streamline the pricing of your air and ocean freight shipments, gain access to more choice worldwide, and just work better with your freight providers, then you're not going to want to miss out on our platform. So go to shipzorz.com. You can also find some really cool merch and purchase our exclusive supply chain dictionary in our shop at letstalksupplychain.com. We're also now giving away our supply chain dictionary. There's going to be a link in this post on social media, and it'll say something around get your free supply chain dictionary. Click the link, 
go through some of the fun stuff that we have for you and get your supply chain dictionary for free. And remember, if you want to be featured on an upcoming episode, go to Apple Podcasts and rate and review the show. We would love, love, love to hear from you. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening. And remember, ship happens.